Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Happy Easter. I hope all of you are doing well. We're so glad that you were able to join us. Uh, it's a great privilege to be able to share God's word with you, especially on this day. As I was praying this morning, I was just thinking about there are some of you who are actually watching that came to know Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday many years ago or maybe recently on last Easter, a couple of Easter's ago. Uh, so this is a really special time just to be able to celebrate all that Jesus Christ has done and as he died on the cross and we were able to remember that on Friday and then he rose again from the dead and so we are so excited to be able to share God's word with you. One of the traditions um, in the early church, one of the things that they would do is they would be uh, giving a greeting to one another during Easter and it will be a simple greeting of Christ or Jesus Christ has risen. And then you will respond to that person who says that and say, he has risen indeed. So I was thinking as we're going live right now, I know many of you are watching with some people around you. So will you do that? Just turn to somebody next to you and just say, Jesus has risen. And then the other person will respond by saying, he has risen indeed. And let's say it with some conviction this morning. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 24. We will be looking at Luke chapter 24. If you uh, just go on our church app, we have some of our notes there and you can follow along. And we're hoping that this message will be an encouragement to you. We're going to talk about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ because of the resurrection. As you know, we're starting this whole new series called The Return And because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, now we have this hope that truly is rooted in what God has promised unto us. And so I wanted to just kind of start off as we're turning to Luke chapter 24. I think with everything that's going around in the world, one of the things that people have been asking is that, are we able to genuinely have this true hope in our lives? And I think for many of us, the problem with hope is that Our understanding of it uh, oftentimes doesn't line up with what the Bible says. For some of us, it's just a wish or maybe a desire or something that we're expecting. But as you know, at the end, there is no certainty or there's no assurance of those things that you are desiring or what you want. And I think this is the reason why many of us, when we try to have a hopeful heart or we're trying to live with faith, Uh, It is really easy to get discouraged, even disillusioned, especially when some of these things that we're hoping for and things that we're wanting um, is not the way we has turned out to be. And that's why I think for many of us, just believing or hoping in something on our own willpower does not make something come true. And I think this is the kind of hope that oftentimes discourages. But I think we're able to experience hope, especially when there's a miracle, something that is supernatural, something that is out of the ordinary. And that's when we realize that it's not something that's generated within ourselves, but it's something that's greater than ourselves. And so what I wanted us to do is just show this video. And in this video, uh, it's a Nightline News video, and it was a documentary of a family who experienced a miracle during the COVID-19. This gentleman named uh, Tito, he was Uh, He's a father and a husband, and he ended up being in the hospital, diagnosed with the COVID-19 for three weeks. 
And as you listen to their testimony, as you listen to their story, you realize that it was a miracle of God that actually healed them. So let's watch this together. But it's really from the power of God. Uh, let, me, let me just uh, share that once again. I, I think it's during these times when we experience suffering and pain, uh, during the COVID-19 situation where when supernaturally God comes and heals people, where we begin to have a greater sense of hope. And it's beyond just our willpower, our own desire to have something happen, but it comes through the power of God in our lives. And I think this is the reason why biblical hope is so different from the hope that the world offers, because it's not based on our willpower. It's not based on our own strength or our own wisdom, but it comes from what the Word of God says. Let me go ahead and read to you the new Bible definition, uh, dictionary definition of hope. It defines it in this way. Where there is a belief in the living God who acts and intervenes in human life and who can be trusted to implement his promises, hope in the specific biblical sense become possible. Such hope is not a matter of temperament, nor is it conditioned by prevailing circumstances or any human possibilities. It does not depend upon what a man possesses, upon what he may be able to do for himself, nor upon what any other human being may do for him. Biblical hope is inseparable, therefore, from faith in God. Because of what God has done in the past, and because of what God has done and is now doing through Christ, the Christian dares to expect future blessings at present, uh, at present invisible. The goodness of God is for him never exhausted. The best is still to be. Hope to be sure is not like a kite at the mercy of the changing winds, but a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, penetrating deep into the invisible, internal world. Because of the, his faith, the Christian has an assurance that the things he hoped for are real, and his hope never disappoints him. Amen. And that's why true biblical hope, when you understand it, is that this is confident expectation of what is to be promised in His Word, the promises that God has given to us through the Bible. And that strength of hope is dependent not on ourselves, but on the goodness and the faithfulness of God. When we have this biblical hope, we have this sense of joy, this boldness, this faith, this love regardless of what we're facing in our lives. And this is something that God wants to give to us, especially on this Easter, as we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, I love what Billy Graham once said, the famous evangelist, he wrote and he said this, what oxygen is to the lungs, hope is to our survival in this world. And the Bible is full of hope. Therefore, we want to look into the Bible and examine and see what hope is and what it stands for, especially in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let me give us the one thing that I want you to remember as we talk about Luke chapter 24, and simply this, that we have hope for transformation because of Christ's resurrection. Let me say it again, that we have hope for transformation because of Christ's resurrection. Will you just, with those of you who are online with some other people. Will you turn to somebody next to you and tell them what the one thing is? Go ahead. Will you do that right now?
there are two things that I'm going to talk about and things that we have to remember of why we can have hope for transformation because of Christ's resurrection. And there, there are two reasons. And one of the things we see here is that our hope is established on God's promises. This is the reason why we can believe in God changing us and bringing transformation because of the resurrection. It's because our hope is established on God's promises. I'm going to go ahead and read the first eight verses here as we look at um, Luke chapter 24. And it says this. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in a dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. Let's just pause here and look at these eight verses together. We have to understand what's been going on right before this passage here in the Bible. As you know, just through the gospel accounts, that about two and a half days prior to this, Jesus Christ was crucified. And from there, we see that the disciples, the followers of Jesus, all being in fear that they would also uh, be in trouble, they began to hide and they locked their doors in complete fear. Uh, One of the things you have to try to understand is that they must have gone through a lot of confusion, a lot of pain. It didn't make sense to them. Now their leader, their master, their follower, or their leader who will lead them, they were in a situation where just... A few days ago, they were with him, and now he's gone. And I think it's truly one of those times where you have to allow this tragedy to sink in. And if any of you have ever gone through a tragedy or ever gone through things that are outside of your control, you know that oftentimes you're in shock, and it takes a couple of days to allow it to finally sink in, and sadness begins to overwhelm you. And they probably realized the reality of what life will be now, that now they don't have their leader and their teacher. As we come to this story, we see that some of the women came to the tomb early Sunday morning. Later in verse 10, you will notice that we see these women consisted of Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and there were some unnamed women who were also there. Now, the reason why that these women knew where the tomb was was because they were at the crucifixion and they saw where they led Jesus' body for burial. And these women wanted to give a proper burial, a Jewish burial for Jesus, and that is why they came to the tomb. Now, this is very important to understand, is that when they got to the tomb, they saw that the stone which covered the tomb was rolled away and they did not find Jesus' body. Now it's important to note here that the women did not expect the resurrection. So when they got there, they were surprised. 
In fact, if you look at Mark chapter 16, verse 2 and 3, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. It says, Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? So right away, what you notice is that these women were not expecting the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were talking to one another and saying, Who will roll away the stone in front of his tomb so that we can embalm his body. So can you imagine the surprise and just the sheer confusion as soon as they got to the tomb, the stone was rolled away, and when they looked in, they realized the body of Jesus was gone. As they were perplexed and confused, as the story continues, you notice that there were two men in bright and glittering clothes that appeared. Now, from the women's response, We can probably tell by being frightened and bowing down that what they saw when we look in verse 5 is that these two men were angelic beings. And then in verse 5 through 7, that these angels reminded the women about the words that Jesus spoke when he was with them. In verse 6, if you look again in verse 6, you will see that these angels said, remember how he told you. Now, that Jesus was going to be delivered into the hands of these sinful men. They were going to be cru- he was going to be crucified. And then on the third day, he was going to rise again or resurrect from the dead. Now, the angels used Jesus' own words to reassure the women that he resurrected from the dead. And now the tomb is empty. I want you to look at verse 8 again. You will notice in verse 8, it says, And they remembered his words. So we see that again, and that's why it's important. The word remember can be translated as to recall, to think about again, or just simply memory. The reason why this is important is that here are these angels telling these ladies, remember, recall, think again, just from your memory. And as they gave the very words of Jesus, you will notice here that they did remember that these were the very words that Jesus promised unto them, and now it has come true. I think remembering words and thinking about them again can be a a very powerful thing, both for the good and for the bad. There are some of us in this room, we have, uh, people have spoken positive words to us, encouraging words. And when we think about some of those times when we were discouraged or there were people who were walking with us and they reminded us of the truth of who God is and the promises that God has given to us. Like those are the times when we think back, especially when we're going through difficult, uh, difficult times now, we're encouraged as we're reminded that those words helped us during those times. There are some of us here where we remember negative words. There are words spoken to us by our parents, or somebody, a stranger, or somebody who bullied us in school when we were growing up, or we went through things, and there were people who spoke negatively of us, and some of those words have cut deep into our hearts. It began to affect who we are in Christ, our identity, and who we, the way we view ourselves. It has affected us even to this day, and there are some of us who are feeling the pain of some of those words that are still resident inside our hearts and in our minds. I think the great thing about God's words is that it's 100% true and 100% it will come 
to pass. The angel quoted exactly what Jesus said to the disciples, but they quickly forgot what Jesus was saying. I believe that there are times when God wants to remind you of his promises. He wants to remind you of truth, and so that through that we can have hope. Our hope does not come from what other people will say or the situation around us, but it has to come through the truth and what, what God says. The reason why we can have the certainty with God's promises is because everything that God says, and that's not only true, but he cannot lie. Let me give you some verses on that. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 in the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. God is not man. And on the yellow, if you could just kind of read it along with me. It says this, God is not man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? So you notice, once again, that God, he cannot lie. That is part of his nature, that he cannot lie, and that everything that he has said, everything he has spoken, he has acted upon it, and it has come true. Another verse, Titus chapter 1, verse 2, in the ESV, it says this, In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Once again, God does not lie. Let me give you one more verse. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, in the New Living Translation, you go ahead and read the yellow, highlight it with me. It says this, So God has given both his promise and his oath these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This is the reason why, as followers of Jesus Christ, the hope that we have is so different from what the world offers. Our hope is established through God's unchanging promises therefore we can trust it we can be confident in it that everything that he will he says and he has spoken through the word of god those things he will do that's why when we're going through difficult times that's why when we're facing fears in our lives when those promises of words that says do not fear and it's given by god because he is with us these are great comforts for us because he is always true to his word the Tyndale Bible Dictionary defines hope in another way to help us to understand. It says that Christian hope is securely based upon the words and actions of God. Let me just pause here and say this, that it has nothing to do with us. And I know for, uh, for many of us who live in a world where it just centers around us, and especially those of us who live here in Asia, when it's all about works, it's about what we do and performance, it is so easy to think that it is all upon us. But I want you to understand true biblical hope it is securely based upon the words and the actions of God. It continues and it says this, The promises of God have proven to be dependable. The resurrection of Jesus becomes the ultimate basis for hope. Since God has already overcome death through Christ, the Christian can live with confidence in the present. No matter how dark the present age seems, the Christian has seen the light to come. Amen. How about us this morning? Where 
are you placing your hope in? And for some of us, whom, to whom are we placing our hope in? Is it something that is certain and trustworthy? Or is it just circumstantial? And that's why some of us are experiencing a lot of disappointments and disillusionment. Some of us have been jaded by the things of this world, by the things of this world, because of the things that we have trusted in instead of in God's word. Do you believe that God can transform you and transform your situation because of what he has promised in his word? I wanted to take a pause here. And once again, one of the things that we want to try to do is instead of uh, hearing me talk the whole time, I want us to be able to interact. And for those of you who are watching uh, by yourselves alone, hopefully you're joining in with your life group so you can share as well. But if you're just by yourself, I, I want you to just take this time to at least reflect Ask God to speak to you and think about some of these things. So we're going to break up into just some smaller groups. And just for about uh, six minutes, uh, I want you to talk about these two questions and simply this. What do you think are some of the major causes for people to lose hope? So just talk about some things that you feel like causes people to lose hope. And then the second question is this. Why do we want people to be true to their word? And what does it do to us when they follow through? People who say they will do something and they follow through, what does it do to us as people as the receiving end of that? So once again, I'm going to give you about six minutes. Go ahead and discuss that with one another, and then we'll come back together and finish off with the second point. Okay, if we could all just come back. I hope you had a good time of just discussing uh, those questions as we have been talking about is that our hope is established on God's promises. This is the reason why our hope is so much different and we can hope for transformation because of Christ's resurrection. I want to close out with the second point, and the second point is simply this. Our hope is not only established on God's promises, but our hope is energized by God's power, that our hope is energized by God's power. I'm going to read the rest of the section here in verse 9. Um, verse 9 through uh, 12. And listen to what it says here as the story continues. And returning from the tomb, so these are the women who are there, returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloth uh, by themselves, and he went home, marveling at what had happened. Once the women remembered the words of Jesus, it finally hit them. This is exactly what he has promised. This is exactly what he talked about. So what do they do? They quickly go back to the other disciples and tell them what they have witnessed. But what was the reaction of the other disciples when these women came and told them the story? In verse 11, we notice that the words of the women, uh, the words that they were speaking, it says that they seem like idle tales. Now, let me give you some other translations of verse 11. It says this in the New Living Translation. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. The message translation says this, but the apostles didn't believe a word of it, thought they were making it, uh, making it all. 
in the Living Bible, it says this, but the story sounded like a fairy tale to the men. They didn't believe it. Now, as many of you know, to think about a person dying and then resurrecting from the dead, it, it, it definitely seemed like a fairy tale. It definitely seemed like a story that was hard to believe. But one thing we have to understand is that why was it that the women, the significance of the, the women being the first ones witnessing the resurrection of Jesus Christ, why is this significant? Because if you think through this very hard, one of the things you will realize is this. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a hoax, it was a lie that Jesus and the disciples decided to spread, then the question is, why in the world were the first witnesses women? Especially if you know the historical significance of this, you realize that more and more that this really was a miracle and a supernatural act of God. During these times, just so we get some historical understanding, during these times, women had very low status in society. That's why even their testimony uh, in a court of law was not admissible. And so you have to understand, if this was a lie, and this was a hoax that the disciples and Jesus decided to make up so that they could kind of promote whatever agenda that they had, then the last group of people you want to be the first eyewitness would be women. In fact, you will probably reach out to some of these rich, uh, more powerful people to spread the lies and so that the people will begin to believe in some of these things. But we noticed that it was the women who actually heard and saw the testimony of Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead. So that's why when you think about this resurrection of Jesus, it was a paradigm-shifting event. The disciples who were all Jewish understood that the Messiah would be this conquering king and that he will come and he will reign on this earth. So that was their paradigm. That's how they understood about the Messiah and the messianic um, expectations. But we know that this was not the case, that Jesus was, he was king, but he did not come to rule like any other king. Another gospel account you will see is that Jesus had to rebuke the disciples for not believing in the women. So not only was it a cultural thing, but the disciples in that bias, because of their paradigm of understanding that the Messiah would come and reign here on this earth, uh, listen to what Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 16, verse 14. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And in the highlighted yellow why don't you read it out loud with me? It says this. Still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. Did you catch that? You notice that Jesus Christ ended up rebuking the disciples because of their stubborn unbelief that what the women had mentioned, that Jesus rose again from the dead, they could not believe this. Now, it was harder for them to believe in God's mighty power to do the impossible because of the stubborn unbelief. I'm just wondering how many times have we lost hope or we got discouraged or we got very cynical because of our stubborn unbelief. I think for some of us, we're holding on to 
the stubborn unbelief because of the hurt that you might have experienced in your life. And so now, even though God is trying to speak to you, even though God is trying to do something in your life, He's even using the situation with the pandemic or even other things that are happening in your family and even with your friends and things around you at work or at school. He's trying to get your attention, but because of our stubborn unbelief, it hinders us from being able to experience God's power in our lives. I'm wondering if some of us are living in deception and we're allowing Satan to place lies or the past lies that have been placed in our lives and we continue to believe in these things. And so it hinders us from really believing in his power so we can have this hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What are some of the things that you're facing right now that you might need God's power to come and intervene? Regardless of your stubborn unbelief, regardless of the things that you're going through, that somewhere deep inside you're saying that I cannot trust in my own self, I cannot trust in people around me or their circumstances, so many things are changing week by week, but I want to experience this power that comes through Jesus Christ, the same power that resurrected him from the dead, I want that same power in my life. As we look at verse 12, I think something interesting comes forth. It says in verse 12, once again, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Once again, the question is, but why? As the women came and shared these stories and no one believed them, but it was actually Peter who got up and he ran to the tomb. And I'm wondering if it's possible that Peter ran to the tomb because something deep inside of him wanted to believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was real. Now, those of you who know, it was Peter, the apostle Peter, who denied Jesus three times. When Jesus needed him the most, Peter failed miserably. And because of that, I'm wondering that he was discouraged, he was feeling guilty, experiencing a lot of the shame, that because he did not stand up for Jesus. And that's why when he heard that this Jesus resurrected from the dead, that he wanted so badly to be true that he ran to the tomb. I think oftentimes for many of us, to humbly believe in God's power and to humbly believe in his word, it requires us to experience a greater sense of emptiness and brokenness in our lives. If some of you right now have experienced some of the consequences of sin, maybe some of your stubborn unbelief or your rebellious heart caused you to turn away, and you're at maybe possibly the lowest point of your life, and I want to just say this to you. You are probably the best candidate to experience the power of God in your life. It is God who brings us sometimes to a point of realizing that we have nothing. And that we are nothing without him. And that's when our hearts open up and say, God, if this resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, it is true that I need that in my life. I love what Malcolm Mugridge said in his book, The End of Christendom. Listen to what he says. He says this, it is precisely when every earthly hope has been explored and found wanting, 
when every possibility of help from earthly sources have been sought and it is not forthcoming, when every recourse this world offers, moral as well as material, have been drawn on and explored with no effect, when in the shivering cold every stick of wood has been thrown on the fire and in the gathering darkness every glimmer of light has finally flickered out, it's then that Christ's hand reaches out, sure and firm. Then Christ's words bring their inexpressible comfort. Then his light shines brightest, abolishing the darkness forever. What a great reminder. It's always when we feel like there is no hope. It's always when we feel as if we've lost everything. And everything in our lives just doesn't seem like it's going to change. That's when Christ comes in, reaches out to us, and helps us to experience his power. That's why when we understand God's power in our lives, it energizes hope in us to realize that this hope doesn't come from us. This hope doesn't come from the world. This hope that we need so desperately doesn't come from other people, but it comes from God and God alone. How about us this morning? What are some of the stubborn unbelief that you have believed in? What are those things that you're holding on to that's hindering you from experiencing the power of God? I'm wondering if you're willing to surrender your life to Jesus and allow his power to work so you could be a witness of who he is in his words and his truth. What is God trying to speak to you about today? I'm wondering if you will answer his call. Our hope is energized by God's power. So once again, the one thing that we see in this passage is that we have hope for transformation because of Christ's resurrection. Because Christ resurrected from the dead, now we have hope to believe that he can change us and he could change the things around us so that we can bring him glory. And this hope is established on the promises of God. Nothing else but on the promises of God. And this hope is energized by the power that he gives us, not in ourselves, not in what we do or don't do, but it comes from God and God alone. I wanted to close out by sharing uh, this video. And this video is about Donna and Turner Ward, and they dealt with some difficult things in their lives. And oftentimes it's through the difficult things where we truly find this hope that is eternal and everlasting, a hope that the world cannot offer, a hope that's only true, is established through the word of God, the promises of God, and energized by the power of God. So I want to uh, show you this video so that you can witness and just listen and watch as they share some of the things that they went through and they were able to experience God's power in their lives. So afterwards, we're going to come back together and I want to give us an opportunity to respond to him and respond to this message and we're going to try to do this together. So let's first watch the video and we'll close out. As you heard that testimony, what a powerful reminder that all of us, we're going to go through things in life that are unexpected. There, are, there will be a lot of things that we'll face and that we haven't faced yet, but it will get harder and tougher. And as I've been sharing with many of you in our church, if anyone tells you otherwise, they are not facing reality or they're even lying to you. Life is hard. Life is difficult. There'll be many more struggles that will come your way. But the question I have for you this morning is simply, where do you put your hope? 
where do you put your trust? If it's not in Jesus Christ and the resurrection power that came forth and believing that in his word he can be trusted and this hope that he gives us, it energizes us to be able to live this life. That's why we can hope for this transformation in our lives. What I wanted us to do is have every single one of us respond to this message. And I think the Spirit of God has been speaking to some of you in a way that maybe this will be the first step that you take in your journey with Christ. For some of us, we might have fallen away and God is trying to bring us back in a loving and a gentle way. For the rest of us, maybe God is trying to prepare you for the things that are to come. And that's why I want every single person to respond. And what I'm going to have you do at this moment is if you could just pull out your phones and we're going to try to do this just on our mobile phones so that we can uh, do this together. I want to walk you through it. And so some of the instructions will be right on the screen right there. Uh, there's a QR code you could scan if you want to do it that way. Or you could just go directly onto our website at hongkong.hmcc.net. And it will lead you to a page where it's a time of response. And we're going to have you respond by filling it out on your phone. We want every single person to do this. So my encouragement to you is just, I'm going to give you time just throughout this moment that we have so that we can respond together. And so there's going to be two things that I'm going to ask you to do. The first thing is I'm going to have you respond to some questions, kind of open-ended, and then you respond to God. The second one is just more of a marking it off in terms of what it is that you're going to do. You're going to fill out this Google form that we're going to put before you. And so let's go through each one of these things clearly as uh, many of you might be at this point where you're saying, um, yeah, I want to respond to God. And so let me first, before you write anything down, let me first talk to some of you who have never trusted and put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that you and I, we have sinned against the Holy God. And because of that, we are forever separated from God and the wrath of God is upon us. But that's the bad news because we're sinful by nature. But the good news is simply this. So God so loved us. He loved you and he loved me that he gave his one and only son to become the perfect sacrifice by dying on the cross. He lived a life that you and I could not live which was perfection. And some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not a bad person. Well, the Bible clearly states it's not sometimes only what you do, but there are things that we don't do that we ought to do. Maybe loving people around us, being generous, serving people. There are times we don't want to do that. And God says those things, the sin of omission, those things that we have omitted, causes us to all fall short of the glory of God. And the good news is that when Jesus Christ came into this earth, that he died on the cross so that we can be reunited with God in this fellowship. And all you have to do is simply say that prayer of Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner, that I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and that now I commit my life to living for you and you alone with this hope that has been given to me through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible also says this, if you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and then you believe it in your heart that it says you will be saved. And what a great promise for us 
that you believe it in your heart and you profess it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and the Bible says you will be saved. God does not lie. That is something that is true, that you can do that right now. For some of us, we have made that prayer before and we might have drifted away for various reasons. Our own stubbornness, unbelief, whatever it might have been, pride. But God is trying to bring you back in a loving way, just like the prodigal son and the prodigal daughter, and he's calling you to come back. And maybe today, with everything that's going on in this world, God is reaching out to you and saying, please come back. I love you. No matter what you have done, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I want to embrace you and forgive you. Take all the shame and guilt away from your life. Some of us who are followers of Jesus, one of the greatest things is that we have this privilege of sharing this message message of hope and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for some of us we might have allowed fear or maybe some doubts to hinder us from boldly proclaiming to those who are around us maybe you could respond to God and say God I want to live with this resurrection hope this resurrection power so the first thing that we're going to ask you to do is simply this there are two specific fill in the blanks And so as you have your phone out, what we're going to ask you to do is to fill in the blank. I want to return to God because. And fill it in on whatever you feel like God is speaking to you about. Maybe it's about His goodness because He has been merciful to me. He has been gracious to me. Whatever it might have been, just go ahead and type that in there. Would you do that? And then the second part is I want to return to God by. And we want something to be very specific. Make a commitment that you're going to do something now. In light of remembering why you want to return to God, what are some things and commitments that you're going to be making, some next steps. And remember, it should be something that is specific, something that's measurable, and there's a set time to this. But being also just something simple as, you know, I'm going to set an alarm. Maybe every three, six hours, just depending on how your schedule is like, sending a little reminder to just remind you of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, whatever you wrote down. So I'm going to give you some time to go ahead and do that. And the cool thing that we wanted you to do is right after you fill it out, there's that orange button. And as soon as you put, uh, push it, you actually can now screenshot it, your, screenshot your phone and make it into a background that we want you to just use on your phone so there will be a, a constant reminder throughout this coming week. Something simple, but something that's tangible and that God can use to speak to you in that way. So go ahead and do that. Will you do that? Just fill out those two blanks and then generate wallpaper, that little button, push it, and as soon as you get it, screenshot it, and you can save it. And then we're going to go into the second part that I want us to do together. The second part, it entails us to respond on this form that's there before you. And what we're asking for is just to give us some information so we can contact you. And the reason why, we're not going to spam you in any way, but we want to contact you because we really believe that one of the best ways to follow through on your next step is to have accountability. Somebody who's praying for you. We want to pray for you. Uh, We have an intercessory prayer team. I would love to pray for you. 
and to pray for some of the different needs that you have. And so there are about five different uh, things that we, you could respond with. And as you fill out your name, your email, uh, those of you who are part of our church in Hong Kong to fill out your life group name so we could uh, let your leaders know and so they can keep you accountable. All the other information, just fill out. And you have five choices and you could answer more than one. The first one is, I want to recommit to returning to Christ. Uh, maybe some of us fallen away, or have drifted away, whatever the case may be. Or maybe you got cynical and you lost a sense of hope and you say, I want to return to Christ. You could check that off. The second one is, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, or maybe you've gone to church all your life, went to a Christian school, but you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, and you want to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You can mark that off for the very first time. The third thing is, I want to get more information and get connected to HMCC. We'll love for you to get connected. If you're uh, just new uh, to this area, or somehow you want to get connected to us as a church, mark that off and we'll contact you. And then the fourth, that's I want to pray for someone to return to God. And one of the things we want to encourage you to do is just write their names down. And so that we could join you in prayer. Because there might be some family members, some friends, some people who have just turned away from God. And you're saying, God, I want some of these people to return to you, to return to this hope that's found in you. Just go ahead and fill that out. You can just check that off and then even put in their names. And we're going to join with you in prayer. And lastly... The last one is simply, I want to join a life group. As you know, this is a big part of who we are as a church. We'll love for you to be a part of our community. And if you are not part of life group yet, please mark this off and we'll contact you and you can join a group. We have ones for college students, for single working adults, even for married couples. And we'll love for you to join. And uh, hopefully you can get connected uh, to us and to God through these communities. What we're going to do at this time as you're filling it out, and you can go ahead and still fill it out if you're filling it out, but if you're done, we want to close out with some worship, and this is our way of expressing our prayers to God. That's why I love worship, because it really does become these prayers that we utter to God, declarations and proclamations of who God is and what He's able to do, and that's why we get our eyes away from ourselves away from our situation and then we turn our eyes to God and God alone the creator of the whole universe who is seated high above and who has all the power all the authority and he has spoken to us through his word through his promises and as we read he doesn't lie and so everything that he has promised us in the word it will come true and that's why we have this hope that's why we're confident in the way we live with this great expectation so we want to be able to worship God in this way. And so let me just first pray for us. And then we're going to just enter into a time of worship. And then we'll close out. And so if you're still filling it out, please go ahead and do so. And um, just push send. And we're going to receive that. And we will respond back to you. So let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for the reminder that the hope for transformation is real. It is available to us today. That you could transform our hearts. You could transform our lives. You could transform the things around us in an instant. 
because of Christ's resurrection. Lord Jesus, because you rose again from the dead, we're able to now fully experience this true life, the, the abundance of life that you promised unto us. And I'm just praying, Lord, that, that this is not a, a whimsical hope or just out of sheer willpower or human will, but it really comes because it is established through your promises in your word, and you never lie. And it energizes us because of your power that works in us. May we never, Lord God, turn to things that will discourage us, disillusion us, jade us, make us cynical, but Lord God, that we will turn to your power, the resurrection power, the hope that truly comes because you were once dead in the grave and then you rose again from the dead. And now nothing, nothing can hinder your work from advancing forward. So Lord, I pray for every single person who is responding or who has responded. God, that you will watch over them and you will bless them. Help them to experience your power in their lives. So thank you, Lord God. So we just come before you right now and we just want to worship you and honor you. Come on, let's worship you together, shall we? Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.